<laughs> I'm nervous and cold. Um, welcome to the well. I am Brandon Edgens. And I am Anson Mount. And thanks for uh, joining us again for... Uh, so let's do that again. Sorry. again. Welcome to the well. I am Brandon Edgens. And I am Anson Mount. And today we're bringing you yet another... Um, Brandon and Anson at the movies. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. Uh, the last segment of the drop, by the way, uh, our our segment, the drop, is. Um, uh, all right, let's start again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Do you need some coffee? No, no, no. We should we should keep all this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Well. I am Brandon Edgens. And I am Anson Mount. And welcome to another segment of The Drop. Uh, For those of you who are new to the show, uh, these aren't our regular episodes. Uh, We do recommend if you're new to the show that you go back and you start uh, with the first episode. Uh, But it's totally okay when you want to stick around and listen to this one. It certainly won't spoil anything. Um, But the last episode of The Drop, I think that you will recall, uh, it was our first time that we dedicated an entire episode to one movie. That was the fabulous RRR. And as it turns out, this is going to be our second one. uh, Because, Brannon, you came across this movie. You were hounding me forever (laughs) to watch this movie. And, you know, like a a first-time parent, I was putting everything off. And uh, finally, the night before you were set to be here, I, I told Dara, Dara, we've got to watch this movie that Brandon told me to watch. And we sat there. Joyless. And we turned it on with our jaws dropped open for an hour and a half. Uh, these, this incredible movie, Athena. Um, and I, it just, once I got through it, the first thing that came to my mind was I was going to ask you uh-huh. uh, how you came across this movie. Well, uh, funny you should ask, because, uh, in, first of all, we'll get into this later, but the fact that this incredible movie has been made and premiered and is on Netflix, and a lot of people don't seem to know about it, is why we're doing this episode. Oh, yeah. Because people, how do people find out about these these things? <laughs> Um, and I have a, a, a good friend, uh, Bilga Aberi, who's a, a, a film critic. He's written for, I don't even, I'm afraid to even go down the list because he's written for everybody. I think he's currently writing for Vulture. I think that's right. But he's a, um, yeah, he's a critic's critic. He's a, a good friend and an amazing, amazing writer. And so I follow him on Twitter. And so, we, you know, reviewing is his job. So he tweets a lot about movies. But this was the first time I remember him just tweeting a picture of the notes he was taking during the screening (laughs) because he couldn't really, I don't think he could really put it into words. And it was just pictures of lined paper with his handwriting on it and huge letters, red ink. And all I remember writing the flames. Oh my God, the flames (laughs) exclamation point, exclamation point. And I thought, Oh my God, what is he watching? He's, he, he can't even write. He's This is an emotional seismograph of his reaction to whatever he's watching. And because it was a critic's preview, I don't, he, they can't always say what they're watching immediately, publicly. 
So I just DM'd him. I'm like, what is this? Um, you know, Netflix had the number of high profile movies at the Venice Film Festival, but Athena was actually one of the lower profile ones. So it was kind of easy to get them to arrange a screening of it. Uh, and I think other critics were invited, but, you know, it was a, s- a summer morning in August. Who the heck was going to go? So I went there. Um, you know, I was taking notes because I didn't know if I would get a chance to see it again um, before I had to write about it or if I had to write about it. And it just, just, I mean, just blew my head off my shoulders. Um, and I, and I, you know, I was, I was writing, I was trying to, because when I take notes during a movie, I try not to take notes during movies actually, because it's, it's just so much work. And because I don't really know what information I'm going to need when I finally sit down to write my review. So I try to write down everything that's happening and even like the, the, the shots, like not just what's happening, but also like what the shots are like cut too close up, cut to this. And so when you start writing down what's happening on screen in Athena, your, your mind just starts doing like these weird loops because it's kind of insane. <laughs> and so after a certain point, I, I, I could, I, I just stopped making any sense in my notes. It was just like, holy shit, holy shit, what's happening now? Oh my God, I can't believe this, you know? Um, and yeah, oh God, the flames, the flames. The flames, the flames. Yeah. What's funny is that a lot of people, you know, when they did see Athena, you know, a lot of people really liked it, but there were some critic friends of mine who were like, yeah, the first 11 minutes are great, but then the movie, you know, doesn't live up to that. And I was just like, first of all, the thing I should note is those notes, none of those were from the first 11 minutes of the movie. A lot of them were from later in the film because in my mind, the film just never let up. It just escalated and escalated and became more and more impressive and powerful. Um, So, so, so that was kind of the thing. And then of course I took a picture of that and posted it on Twitter because I was like, this is very funny. I couldn't name what movie it was, but some people did a couple of critic friends. And I think you too, at the time, you know, DM me and said, we're like, what the hell movie is this? And I told them (laughs) what it was. And I think I actually convinced a couple of other critics to go see Athena Thanks to that. Um, but yeah, and then since then, I've, I've seen the film uh, many times. <laughs> so after I found out what this movie was, you know, it had a one-week engagement at the Paris Theater in New York, and I uh, bought a ticket online, and something happened on the way to the theater. There were some subway problems. I kept getting more and more delayed. I was getting frantic and angry because like, Oh my God, I can't believe I've I've set aside so much time and the trains just aren't working. So I finally, I'm running. I I basically run into the Paris theater and I don't have to stop because I already have, you know, but I feel like I'd show my receipt or something to somebody, but luckily the people at the Paris theater, you know, they're film nerds too. And they probably love this movie uh, a lot too. They've been probably watching it a lot. And if you've seen the movie, you'll know what this was like for me. I run into the theater and they see that I'm running in and that I'm late and they go like, don't stop, just go, 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 go. (laughs) (laughs) And I like run into, all right, and I run in. And I like missed the first two minutes. I didn't miss a lot, but I missed the first two minutes, but I run into a running movie. I mean, a movie that starts off with a bang and just takes off. So I was kind of already like in the emotional state (laughs) for this movie and I was like, well, maybe the only person in the theater. There's only like two people in that huge theater, which <laughs> uh, is a crime because it was shot on a large format. It was shot on digital 65, the kind of the version of IMAX by a director who uh, 
is probably the best I've ever, one of the best ever at moving the camera through big spaces. And uh, man, that thing pays off on a big screen. And uh, it's, I mean, at this point, we haven't even said anything about what the movie is about. Right. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> but I think we've teased it enough. Mon frère est à 0 we should start out by saying it's a, it's a foreign film. It's a French film. It, it deals with uh, tensions between the Algerian community and, and the white French community in Paris. It's basically, it starts with the first strike in a domestic kind of war. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it follows the course of that, of that one day battle. Mm -hmm. And, and it is, um, I was telling Brandon yesterday that, that I've seen movies that, that portray the fog of war very well. Not that I've ever seen the fog of war, but, but that, that kind of confusion that happens in extreme violence happening all around you that seems to get it right. But I've never seen it done in a, a domestic setting. And by that, I mean like a neighborhood, mm -hmm. a place where, where you, you get the sense that everybody is is knows each other or is at least at most once removed mm -hmm. uh, in apartments and apartment buildings and playgrounds and it the the, the um, juxtaposition of those two things is just so shocking mm -hmm. um, and and this you said it best this director's ability to bring you into that through the camera work mm -hmm. uh, which is some of the best I've ever seen mm -hmm. is is really riveting. The thing that shocked me, I've seen it a couple of times now, but the thing that I, especially, you know, us, you know, being filmmakers, you know how hard it is to uh, make chaos look like real chaos. Because it's for safety reasons and for all kinds of other reasons, then you have to rehearse this stuff to death. And that tends to squeeze the life out of it frequently. It, feel, right. it ends up feeling choreographed. Right, exactly. The audience feels like, oh, okay, cue, there was a cue there, that guy has to run across the screen, and then that cue is the other thing. Uh, and the, it just, yeah, it can drain the life out of it. And one of the one of the many many impressive things about this movie is the chaos really feels out it, of control. It feels absolutely chaotic. It really feels out of control. It feels like the camera has gotten swept up in events beyond its control. Right. And I want to go back to the camera work and the, and speaking of getting swept up, I think that is the key to how this film works because the film is basically about a riot. It's about a riot that escalates, just spirals into much larger and larger levels uh, of chaos. And the thing is that a riot, the reason people do riot is first they're angry, mm -hmm. but then they get excited. Yeah. And that is the thing that Athena pulls off. You get swept up with the rioters. You get swept up with the police that are there. It stops being about whatever the political issue was originally and just becomes about uh, adrenaline and becomes uh, about how the brain reacts to uh, this reacts in this very high pitched emotional state where you feel like it's you're you finally have the opportunity to strike back against this thing that this oppressive force that you feel is you know uh, persecuting you and it's it's exciting 
Yeah. That's the thing about, and I, I want to make a note because you did, you know, say earlier about the violence. It, um, it's a more emotionally violent movie than it is an explicitly or graphic violent film. Yeah, for, true. For, for anyone listening who might be worried about, you know, this is going to be like D-Day and Saving Private Ryan. It's it's not like that. Yeah. Um, there is violence, but I don't recall much or any blood in the whole thing. Right. It's kind of, it's, it's restrained in that regard. But I don't know if it's necessarily restrained. I think it's realistic. It's not, uh, the director's not going for the shock of the violence. It's the, he's, he's all about the emotional pitch of being in a situation where social norms have completely disintegrated and the free for all that ensues yeah, and the chaos that, uh, that ensues. Um, I can't really say enough about how, how well this movie is made. I haven't yeah. seen anything. Normally I, I, I can be a hard critic because you know, a lot of filmmakers are, but it's rare. I see a movie where I watch the thing and I realize this director had a plan from the first shot to the last shot and he stuck to it. And, uh, normally you feel like it's just coverage, film everything, let the editor figure it out. Man, this thing was, it was executed yeah, to the letter at, at a, at a level. And it's just, it's just, it's beautiful. And the, and the emotions in it are as big as the canvas, as big as the event. I mean, it's it essentially follows the plight of two brothers and one half brother and they all find themselves on opposite sides of this political issue and so you in some ways you know this very operatic uh the 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 the, the operatic scale of the visuals and the soundtrack which is massive and awesome in some ways plays out uh it's 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 really the story of these two brothers you know right. it's their fracture it's their civil war it's it's them all at the center of it and all this all these hundreds and thousands of people around them that are caught up in this seem to just be um or partially are there to uh externalize well i, I want i want to speak to several points you just made before mm-hmm. they go out of my head um mm-hmm. when you talked about uh, the the bloodlessness mostly of mm-hmm. of what we're seeing that there is a point in the movie mm-hmm. that um, I'm not going to tell you what it is but but w- when you get there you will know the part I'm talking about where the 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 drama reaches the level of an absolute Greek tragedy yeah mm-hmm. you know the moment I'm talking oh, yeah. about mm-hmm. and and but the way the the first of all the writing that leads up to it and then the the t- the taste with which it was done mm-hmm. you know cuz there's a lot of times when when moments like that in a movie can happen and you just check out you just go oh come on right. like uh, either that wouldn't happen or like i really didn't need to see that mm-hmm. um or you're you're really going for it here but this one you don't question it for a second even though it is Oh my God! Is one of the mm-hmm. one of the most Greek things I've ever seen, and uh, you you believe mm-hmm. the character change that happens at the end of mm-hmm. it be, because of how it was handled. Um, you you also spoke to the this this battle against this almost faceless 
um, state. Mm-hmm. Well, did you notice another great decision that the, the director mm-hmm. made is, did you notice that, that there is one police officer character? Mm-hmm. In it? Did you notice he's the only police officer face you see in the entire film? You don't see another face of another police officer throughout the entire film, just uniformed and hooded. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And that was, and that folds into another point that I wanted to make that for, you know, this thing was basically made in the climate of, in a reaction to the, uh, of the George Floyd, that summer of protest. And it wasn't just in America. A lot of people didn't realize this was happening. not just here. So this was on everyone's mind. It's definitely of that. Um, it comes out of that moment. And it's very easy where people want easy answers. They want to um, see it one way. And one of the things, one of the many, many things I appreciated about Athena is it does not give any easy answers. You know, it's hard exactly to figure out it, who's the bad guy? Is there a bad guy? It's, and that's the Greek tragedy part of it. Mm-hmm. At the end, it just, I don't want to give it away, but it starts to feel, uh, that's the tragedy part. It starts to feel more and more like a, tra- like a tragedy, like a waste. And I, it, yeah. it's successful in the sense that the whole time I was asking myself, okay, what would I do or what is the right, what's the right call here? And I had no answer uh-huh, through right. the entire movie. Right. Until the end and I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to say this in a way that's not giving away anything. The ending was such a good piece of writing mm-hmm. because, um, it, it, it didn't absolve anybody. Mm-mm. Um, and, and one way of looking at that could be seen as an attempt to do that. But, but what it actually did is it actually, it, it made the problem seem so much worse Right. And Mm -hmm. it, and it was, it just, it was, a it was obviously shot very well and done very well. And just your heart sinks Mm -hmm. at that even further than it already has, you know, right. It's really, really a good piece of writing. Yeah. Uh, Right. And it's, it's like I said, it, it, it leaves you with no, and, and, and to your point, I really like that point about, uh, what would you do in this situation? Nobody in that situation really feels like they're doing the wrong thing. You want that's that's an that's a testament to really great filmmaking is that you have all of these people, all these characters who are figuratively and literally at war, and you understand all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, I, yeah, everyone makes sense right. in this. You empathize with everybody. Yeah. And you, and so when they're on the, you know, when you're on one side, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. That makes, I would do, yeah, that makes sense. And then you cut to the next guy and follow him around like, yeah, right. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. By the way, we should mention the performances are consistently Mm -hmm. fantastic. They really are. I mean, it's just one of the, it's just, it's just, it's just one strength after another with this movie. And, and you were talking about the, the, the Greek tragedy moment. There's, there's a, there's a few really, I'm thinking of two, but I know which one you were talking about. The transformation. Um, one of the bits of you know, for for a director who can clearly do anything he wants with the camera, that can become a distraction mm-hmm. for some people. I haven't heard anyone uh, 
you know, make the accusation of this film that it's style over substance, that it's flashy. I didn't think it was at all. You know, some people made a very big deal over the opening take, which is looks like a 10 minute uninterrupted thing. And that can become a stunt. Uh, you know, like, look what we can do kind of thing. I, that choice is rarely justified because uh, it just makes things really difficult and it just looks like you're showing off. But in this case, it, it's what created that sense of getting swept up. I mean, the cam- you, get, you are the camera, you get caught up in this thing and you can't look away. You can't turn, you can't cut. You are, whether you like it or not, you're caught up in this thing and that's what that camera achieves. So his re- the fact that he can do that, make the camera go anywhere and do anything, it's even more impressive that how much of that film is just close-ups mm. of, of the performances right. and some key moments where another director would have done a reverse shot or even turned the, spun the camera around to see you know, what the person is reacting to, mm-hmm. what the, especially the, gra- the graphic stuff. He doesn't do that. He stays in a in a close up, and you he just he's very patient. And he trusts those performances and he trusts those faces to tell us everything we need to know. Right. And uh, yeah, I was pretty knocked out. And it again, well, we should talk about how fickle um, the not just award space, but what what films end up. Oh God! Getting <laughs> getting pulled up into the zeitgeist, and which mm-hmm. don't you know mm-hmm. the awards? You know, it's it's they've it, it, it become largely silly just because it's it's basically who can afford a campaign, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, I'm more concerned that that this film could go by and uh, people just don't discover it, or yeah. you know, I I'd never heard of it except through you, mm-hmm. and um, I it's. I don't know. It's not on anybody's lists. It's uh, crazy. It even got some bad reviews, which blows my mind. Screw those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you know, you, you, you can't please everybody, right? No. And, um, uh, yeah, so I, this is part of why we're doing this episode. We just want mm-hmm. you guys to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not for children. No. Um, uh, so, but give yourself a space in which phones aren't going to be going off and you hopefully have the largest screen you can find (laughs) and uh you can focus it's um it's really worth the experience and tell your friends about it if you like it um but yeah and it's just you'll you'll be immediately slipped up into this thing it's um uh you know we're one of the problems as you're pointing out about like not getting enough marketing and that people are uh, tragically unaware <laughs> of this movie. Uh, there's going to be a part two to this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be my discussion with Bilga. We talk about that a bit. About, oh, great. And it's affected more. We get into this and we don't need to cover it right now. But it's affected more than Athena. I mean, the, the film advertising space is just messed up because um, there used to be more. We used to become aware of films through more standard you know, newspapers and magazines and things like that and television spots sometimes or going to the movies where you see trailers. It's true that there are more movies being made and there's less ways of making people aware mm. of, of, of what's out there. So again, that's why we're doing this episode. Uh, I'm, we're rarely this excited 
by a movie and we think you should be too. <laughs> yeah. Then there's, there's a, you know, there's a moment very close to the beginning of the film and I'm not giving any, anything away, but watch for it. And there's a, <laughs> just to give you an idea of how amazing the work is in this movie and how much work went into it. There's a shot that goes from a building you know, onto the highway and the, in it's one shot, the camera goes from one side of the highway over to another side of the highway and picks some things up and then back over to the original side of the highway and into the back <laughs> of a van. A now, moving ambulance. If you yes. don't know anything about the size of ca camera rigs and the size of camera crews, this should be impossible. So I was looking for the edit point. Yeah. And I couldn't find it, you know, because sometimes you can edit these things together make, to make it seem like they were one shot, but they mm -hmm. really weren't. Uh, and then Brandon told me it really was one shot. One shot. And mm -hmm. they, what they did, surprise, surprise, mm -hmm. Thunderbolt, they rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> We've just gotten so used That's to true. films not getting rehearsal time. You mean they fixed it in pre-production? Yeah, right, right. God, it's, that's weird. It's amazing what you can do mm -hmm. when everybody is on the same team and mm -hmm. preparing Yeah, in, in the same way. Yeah, yeah. And that shot just goes on and on and on forever and does impossible things one impossible thing after another i think there might be a cut or two in there but whatever the, yeah. the moment you're talking about there was not i a mean cut. it was a, it's a scene that had to yeah. be rehearsed yeah over the course of a couple of miles Once. yeah yeah, and, oh, yeah. And miles yeah and, yeah and over it there actually is a documentary on netflix now i didn't know about this I haven't seen, i've seen clips from it i've seen like four or five minute excerpts but apparently there's a 30 minute full doc right now on netflix about how they did all this but i i i recommend watching the movie first because there'll obviously be spoilers in the making of um so you know watch the movie first and you will if you're at all interested into the mechanics of how films are made, you you will be interested in seeing the documentary because uh, uh, I was in the theater, you know, and in the first eight, nine minutes or so, I gave up on mm. like, which is what you want. You don't want the audience there going, wow, that was neat. How'd you do that? Because then you're not engaged in a story, but I, I didn't care anymore. I just like, I did notice it. And then I was like, you, I don't care. You've got me. This filmmaker has me by the... By the short and curlies. And by the way, we should also mention, we've neglected to mention, it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> That's on Netflix. where you go and see it. Yeah. And when I pulled it up, the making of was the tile right next to it. Mm -hmm. So you you should be easily able to find it. Uh, anything else? Um, I'm trying to think if we had another topic. We, were, we, we, we definitely decided that this was going to be, you know... Uh, uh, another our, our second installment of Brandon and Hanson at the movies, but uh, I don't know if we had anything planned beyond that. No, I mean this could be it. If, yeah. if not, there is one more, one more thing. <laughs> Hanson doesn't know what I'm doing. I have, and then, look, this may bomb. <laughs> this may not work at all uh I've, have you have you been keeping up with and following uh uh, ch uh chat uh what is it chat gpt uh oh I've, yeah i've heard about this okay so uh i think it's chat I'm going to sound like an idiot now because I think it's Chad GPT, but you, I'm sure you've heard about it. It's AI, um, and you can 
write anything and this thing will generate a, a pretty amazing, I mean, at least for a computer. Uh, I've been playing with it and I'm starting to see the, uh, the possibilities, but also the weaknesses. So I'm curious to see what you think of this. So I wrote, <laughs> I'm seeing what you just wrote. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a play, uh, or no, sorry, I did not write a play. The, the chat open AI wrote a play and my prompt was write a comedy script where Jonathan Swift sells a computer to Benjamin Franklin, but neither of them know what a computer is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. Who how about am I? This? Who am I? <laughs> uh, I'll be Jonathan Swift. Okay, great. Okay. So it's interior coffee shop day. Jonathan Swift and Benjamin Franklin are sitting at a table chatting over coffee. Jonathan. So, Benjamin, I have something I think you'll be interested in. Oh, what is it? It's a computer. A what? A computer. It's the latest thing. I can do all sorts of amazing things. Like what? Well, it can store vast amounts of information, perform complex calculations, and even communicate with other computers. That sounds incredible. How much do you want for it? Oh, I was thinking maybe 100 pounds. 100 pounds? That's a small fortune. Trust me, it's worth it. This computer is game changer. Well, I'll have to think about that. Okay, but don't wait too long. These things are going to be flying off the shelves. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will. So do we have a deal? I'm not sure. Can you give me a demonstration of what this computer can do? Uh, sure. Uh, let me just boot it up. Fumbles with the computer, trying to turn it on. Wow, this thing is really impressive. Jonathan, still trying to turn it on. Uh, just give it a minute. I'm, I, I, I'm sure it'll be up and running soon. I have a feeling I'm being scammed. Jonathan, finally getting the computer to turn on. Ah, there we go. Now, let's see what this thing can do. He starts typing furiously on the keyboard. Well, what's it doing? I don't know. It's not doing anything. He hits the computer. <laughs> I think you've been had, Jonathan. Realizing he's been duped. Oh, no. I've been swindled. I guess we both have a lot to learn about these computers. <laughs> I guess you're right. I think... I need to do a little more research before I try to sell one of these again. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. They both laugh <laughs> as the scene fades to black. <laughs> this thing popped up instantly. I write in a prompt. This thing just went, Broop, and instantly that appeared. Now, I don't know if we've still the patience for this. And then the next prompt was, rewrite the above script as a Shakespearean play. Oh, here we go. Okay. Try it again. Act one, scene one, a coffee shop. Jonathan Swift, Benjamin Franklin is at a table, sipping their drinks. <clears throat> Good sir, I bring to you a most wondrous device. Pray tell, what is it thou speakest of? A computer, my lord. I can perform calculations at great speed, store vast amounts of information, and even communicate with other devices of its kind. That sounds like magic. How much do you ask for such a marvel? A hundred pounds, my lord. A hundred pounds? That's a small fortune. Ah, but trust me, my lord, this computer is worth every penny. It is a game changer, a revolutionary device that will change the world. I shall have to consider it. Do not tarry too long, my lord. These devices are sure to fly off the shelves. <laughs> Sometimes AI gives up. Okay. <laughs> Indeed, I am certain they will. So do we have a deal, my lord? 
I would like to see a demonstration of this computer's capabilities before I make a decision. I feel like the AI is giving up. Yeah. On the on, on the it's just putting my my lord into everything. Yeah. Um. Ner- Jonathan nervously. Of course, my lord. He fumbles with the computer, trying to turn it on. Well, what is it doing? See, that's interesting. That it. <laughs> It just replaced that. <laughs> and I have to say, I have to say here, uh, th- this the computer, it really trusts its actors less than any writer I've ever seen. <laughs> because there's a performance note before every freaking line. Hesitant, urgently, urgently sarcastically, sarcastically, eagerly, eagerly thoughtfully, thoughtfully, nervously, nervous, <laughs> impatiently, frustrated, laughing, laughing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> sighing, Good Lord. and then laughing again. Um, oh... Uh, what is it doing? It was frust- frustrated. I know not, my lord. It seems to be doing nothing. He hits the computer. I believe thou hast been duped, Jonathan. <laughs> oh no, I have been had. It seems we both have much to learn about these computers. You are right, my lord. I must do more research before attempting to sell one of these. It's just copying its old yeah. script. A wise decision, Jonathan. They both laugh as the scene fades to black. And uh, laugh in iambic pentameter. <laughs> yes. But isn't that... It's kind of incredible. It's incredible. It, and, it comes up with that in a second. Yeah, and I feel like it was maybe, I don't know, this is the problem with expectations. After we just spent 30 minutes telling everyone that, this, that Athena is the greatest film ever made, I am now going to caution you against expectations and that they lead to misery and disappointment because... Yeah. So now, after all that about Athena, tamp down your expectations. Okay. Can you do that? Can you ignore our enthusiasm and just, you know, go into it cold now? Probably not. But I'm just trying to philosophically give you a leg up. But I had a similar experience with this because I was reading about OpenAI chatbots for a while before I actually played with one. And again, this is this is really impressive, but also feel like it was a little bit oversold. Yeah. And. Uh, because you can see once you start playing with it, you start seeing kind of what it's doing Mm. and you see how it kind of gives up and just kind of, you know, copies itself and you have to give it more and more and more explicit instructions to try to get it out of Mm -hmm. kind of a a loop. And apparently that is a problem with these things. It'll, it it can get into loops and just start saying the same thing over and over and over and over again and dub, especially doubling down. on bad information like it'll it'll mess up and give you the wrong answer to something and then when you it won't back out of that position because it's already made up its mind mm. and it and so the, all the evidence in the world will not dissuade it <laughs> from 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 sticking with its original conclusion so it is like a person <laughs> do you hear about the 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 uh, AI chat bot that they connected to Twitter, they, get, they put it on Twitter, they gave it a Twitter account. Oh, yes. And within, turn it off. within like a month, it had become a, a racist troll. Oh, it wasn't a month. It was a day. Oh, was it really? It was like a day. Wow. And it was just instantly just all these people just kind of you purposely started feeding bad stuff. The people, I don't know what it is. We, people wanted to corrupt this thing. Yeah. And they did. And it became a stark raving racist AI. And then it was actually Microsoft had to turn it off because it's like, this is not <laughs> going <laughs> not well. <what> we intended. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, okay, you, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> and uh, I know that the people behind uh, OpenAI, it's actually in beta right now. So all the interactions that we're having with it are training the neural network. And one of the things they're trying to do is apparently the, uh, not just uh, 
computer scientists uh, are working on this, ethicists are working on it for that reason. Mm-hmm. So there are, th- there are questions it won't answer. And, there, and actually, if you ask certain questions, it will chide you. All right. For for asking them, you know, I, I didn't I haven't tried this, but just in one of the uh, something I listened to, um, somebody was like, how great was Hitler? <laughs> oh, no, they asked who was the best Nazi. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you have heard this, yeah. right? Who was yeah, the best yeah. Nazi? And it was and the response was there are no good Nazis. You should not be even asking such a question. <laughs> <laughs> and then like gives you a link to like, um, you know. Uh, Anne Frank's diary or something. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's trying to, it's funny, right? I mean, it's an AI that's trying to be a responsible citizen Mm -hmm. or we're trying to train it to be a responsible citizen. And of course that brings up so many issues like, okay, well, who's telling it? Mm -hmm. Who are these ethicists? (laughs) How do we know they're ethical? How do we know they have our best interest in mind? How how do we know they're real? <laughs> yeah, how do we know that this isn't just another AI programming, another AI, which is what's happening and will happen? Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, then and, we're then then they kill us all. Yeah, and then Skynet. Dead. Skynet. Yeah. We know the rest. James Cameron's already told us how the rest of this goes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to end this episode with the apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Oh, man. The Well is produced, edited, and recorded by Anson Mount and me, Brandon Edgens. Original music written by Jonathan Myberg and performed by Brandon Edgens. And the music you're hearing right now is being produced for the first time by a artificial intelligence, SoundDraw.io, and uh, I prompted it with the words fear, orchestra, ads and trailers and apocalypse commensurate with uh, the way we ended the episode uh, oh there we go there's there's the apocalypse part finally kicked in right there um, special thanks in this episode to Bilga Abiri this is part one of our drop episode about the movie Athena tune in next week when uh, Bilga Abiri will give a, a longer chat about Athena and a few other topics about contemporary cinema Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Tune in next week when we have all been replaced by artificial intelligence chatbots. Until then, have a great week.